This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience, and today we bring you the story of Coach Bob Knight. And I have to be honest and say that I have been putting off this subject because Coach Bob Knight is such a complicated figure in the history of basketball. I mean, how could I possibly capture who this person was and his contribution to the game of basketball in such a relatively short amount of time? If you have any knowledge of American college basketball, then you know who Coach Knight was. And you also know that he is one of the most controversial figures in all of basketball. There were many things that he did and many things that he said that were absolutely detestable. At the same time, there were many things he did and many things he said that were admirable. This is what caused me to wait so long before tackling Coach Knight's story. We started this podcast nearly three years ago, and this was one of the topics that I wanted to cover right away, but I had a difficult time wrapping my hands around his story. It went off in different directions. Now, not his story, but rather my attempts to capture his story. I felt like I could not do it justice. I did not just want to cover his story at a surface level. At the same time, there is so much here that we could do several hour-long episodes in order to adequately capture this. But I think I finally got it. So. Who exactly is Bob Knight? He is a man who once threw a chair across a court in anger because he thought the referees were doing a horrible job. He is also a man who tirelessly raised money to cover the medical expenses for a former player who was paralyzed in a car accident. He is a man who is fully willing to berate people in public and highlight all of their mistakes for everyone to see. He is also a man who skipped nearly a week's worth of practices in order to go home with one of his players when that player's father died. He is an absolute conundrum. It seems that for every negative action, there is a positive action. Of course, he would not see it that way at all. It's not that he has no regrets, but from his own perspective, he would probably put it at 95% positive and maybe 5% negative. Even the actions that the public and the press consider bad, he considers good from his own perspective. So let us take a look at this man from his beginnings. He was born on October 25th, 1940 in Orville, Ohio, which is also where he was raised. It is a small town in Northwest Ohio, not far from Canton or Akron. Today, it is about an hour's drive to Cleveland. As a kid, he loved going to see the old Cleveland Indians play baseball, especially when the Boston Red Sox were in town because Ted Williams was his absolute hero. He loved watching that guy hit a baseball. Now, it is a fairly normal, small town, blue collar, upbringing. He was an only child raised as a toddler during the events of World War II. From his parents, he learned to be honest and hardworking. He lived with his parents and his grandmother who lived with them. Their house was fairly small, which meant that young Bobby Knight slept on a sofa bed in the living room, never having a proper bedroom of his own until he was an adult and out of college. Coach Knight loved his dad and found him to be the hardest working person he'd ever met. He watched his dad go to work even when he was legitimately injured. Whatever you might say about Coach Knight as a person, you could never say that he was lazy. He fully gave himself over to coaching basketball players for his entire working life. Hard work was a given for Coach Knight. Now this is where Coach Knight got his work ethic. Now as a kid, he also played basketball and baseball and loved both sports. And he was quite skilled at both of them as well. 
However, considering that he grew to a height of 6 foot 6 or 196 centimeters, he knew that any future that he had in sports was going to be in basketball. Now, coming out of Oroville High School in 1958, young Bobby Knight was recruited to play at Ohio State University, where he would team up with John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas, two future Hall of Famers. All three of them arrived on campus at Ohio State as part of the same freshman class. In high school, he was a good scorer, rebounder, and the star of the team, but he was not a player that anyone would call naturally gifted. He was an extremely hard worker who never stopped moving, and he always used textbook technique in every phase of his game. He was a student of the game who made it a priority to do everything perfectly. He would drill himself to perfection. And this is a bit of an explanation as to how he would run his own practices when he became a coach. He believed in drilling until the players got it perfectly. At Ohio State, he was never a star player. That was for Havlicek and Lucas, who were truly gifted basketball players and carried most of the load for the team. Bobby Knight came off the bench as a forward to bring defense and rebounding to the team. Of course, back then, freshmen were not allowed to play on the varsity, so he had to play on the freshman team for a year. And then he joined the varsity as a sophomore. Havlicek and Lucas were also joining the varsity. Things were looking good for Ohio State Buckeyes, coached by Fred Taylor, who was instrumental in helping Bobby Knight choose coaching as a profession. Now, this is a good place to take a break, and I'll be right back with Bobby Knight's sophomore year at college and the first year that he would be on the varsity alongside Havlicek and Lucas. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the Bobby Knight story. Knight was just getting started with his first year in the varsity at Ohio State. That sophomore year was an incredible year for the team. Ohio State's team rolled its way through the schedule defeating everyone by large margins. They made it all the way to the NCAA championship game in 1960 and then once there they were matched up with the defending champions, the University of California Golden Bears, coached by Hall of Fame coach Pete Newell and Newell would later serve as a coaching mentor to Coach Knight. For the 1960 championship game, the defending champions were no match for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State won that game 75-55 to to cap off a dominant season. Between Havlicek and Lucas, Ohio State had two of the best rebounders and scorers in the nation. And remember, they were just sophomores, which meant that Ohio State would have these two players for two more years before they left for the NBA. The pair of Havlicek and Lucas was only going to get better each year. They returned to the NCAA championship game the following year in 1960. 
1961, but they were upset by the University of Cincinnati by a score of 71 to 65. They were so close, but they could not bring it home. But then again, Havlicek and Lucas, along with Bobby Knight, had one more year to play at Ohio State. What would they do for their final run? Well, in 1962, they went back to the NCAA championship game again. But so did Cincinnati, and Ohio State lost again 71-59. However, by any reasonable standard, that was a very successful team. Bob Knight went to the NCAA championship game all three years that he played on the varsity, winning one of those championships. Now compare that to the other 200 schools in the country that did not even come close to that level of performance. It was time for all three of these forwards to graduate and move on to the next big thing. Jerry Lucas was taken with the sixth pick in the 1962 NBA draft by the Cincinnati Royals where he would play alongside Oscar Robertson before later winning a championship with the New York Knicks in 1973. John Havlicek was drafted with the ninth pick by the Boston Celtics and he retired with eight NBA championships. Bobby Knight, however, returned to Northwest Ohio and became the head coach of the varsity high school team at Cuyahoga Falls High School. After that one year, he decided to do something different and enlisted in the United States Army. Since he already had a bachelor's degree from Ohio State, he graduated from basic training as a private first class and stationed at West Point Military Academy in New York, where he was assigned to be the assistant coach of the basketball team. Within just two years, he was named the head coach at West Point. He was just 24 years old, hardly older than the players themselves, and he was a good head coach. Again, I will say this many times during this episode, but say what you will about Coach Bob Knight as a person, the man knew the X's and O's of basketball like few others. He absolutely loved the game and loved learning about it. He made friends with older coaches and loved spending time with them and picking their brains about different offensive and defensive strategies. He would ask them about their best drills and how they handled certain situations with players. He made friends with older coaches like Frank McGuire, Pete Newell, Hank Iba, Ray Myers, Pete Carrill, and Claire B. These are all Hall of Fame coaches, some of the greatest in the history of the game. He even became friends with Joe Lapchick, who played on the original Celtics barnstorming team back in the 1920s. He once had dinner with Adolph Rupp and would coach summer camps alongside John Wooden. These were some of the greatest minds in basketball history, and Coach Bob Knight studied at their feet and learned everything he could. He even sought out coaching friends from outside of basketball to learn how to lead players and how to handle specific personnel situations. He became friends with Bo Schembechler, who was an assistant football coach for Woody Hayes at Ohio State when Coach Knight was still a player. He also made fast friends with an assistant football coach at Army by the name of Bill Parcells. He befriended Tony La Russa, the longtime Major League Baseball manager. The man was a sponge for basketball knowledge and overall coaching knowledge. That commitment to learning is something that I really admire. Now, there is a principle of performance that I learned a long time ago, and then maybe it will help you here. It goes like this. If you want to be really successful at something, seek out those who are already really successful at it and pick their brains. Listen to their speeches, read their books, and ask as many questions as you can. For Coach Knight, that meant seeking out all of the best coaches he could find and asking a thousand questions of them. As he took over the head coaching job at Army, one of his early recruits was a point guard from Chicago. He was the son of Polish immigrants and was an extremely hard worker. Maybe not the most talented, but Coach Knight could tell that this guy would run through a brick wall for his team. And that is the kind of guy that Coach Knight wanted. That point guard went by the name 
Mike Krzyzewski. Of course, Krzyzewski would take his own turn as a head coach of Army basketball. Now, here is a positive story of Coach Knight that tells me a big part of the kind of man he was. During Krzyzewski's time as the Army point guard, his father died about a week before the Army was supposed to play in the conference tournament for a chance to make it into the National Invitation Tournament, or NIT. Coach Knight told Krzyzewski to go home immediately to be with his family and not to worry about the tournament or the missed practices. Krzyzewski did as he was told and caught a flight back to Chicago. Coach Knight even drove him to the airport. Now, what surprised the Krzyzewski family the next day was when Coach Knight showed up at their door just to be there and be a comfort to his point guard and his family. He sat in the Krzyzewski kitchen regaling the aunts and uncles with his basketball stories and eating some of the best Polish food he had ever had. The family was so touched that Coach Knight would miss nearly a week of practices in order to be there for their family in their time of grief. It was an incredible gesture and one that Krzyzewski would never forget. Now, After the funeral, Coach Knight returned to New York to rejoin the team, but when he left, he told young Mike to take care of his family and take all the time that he needed. Now, Mama Krzyzewski told young Mike that he too had to go back and rejoin his team and to play his heart out for that tournament. Krzyzewski was a senior point guard and the captain of the team at the time. He felt a duty to his teammates and to the academy. He returned with his mother's blessing just in time to leave West Point for Colgate University where the tournament was being held. They won both games and the tournament and won a spot in the NIT. Now, that story just floored me when I first found out about it. I thought, here is a coach that really cares about his players. Now, that is something that nearly every one of his former players would tell you, is that Coach Knight cares about his players as people, not just for what they bring to the basketball program. Throughout his 42 years as a head coach at the college level, he had one of the highest graduation rates of any coach in the country. Players that chose to play for Coach Knight learned basketball, they learned life lessons, and they earned a degree. Coach Knight always felt very strongly about that. He cared more about that the players were successful in life rather than the basketball court. However, at the same time, if they did what he told them to do, they would be successful on the court too. Now, is that really the same guy that threw a chair across the court? It is. <laughs> At West Point, he was already getting a reputation for having a hot temper. It's like he had this persecution complex. He seemed to feel that the referees were always out to get him. And after six seasons as the head coach at Army, it was time for him to move on to a bigger program. Now, that was the feedback he was getting from nearly all of his coaching mentors. He was an excellent coach and he needed to go to a school that made basketball a priority. Now, this is no insult to Army, but the main purpose of the West Point Military Academy is to train military leaders to lead American troops. That is overwhelmingly their number one priority. And that is no shame. That is credible. The basketball team is nice and it has its place within the academy, but it will never get the support of a bigger program. So Coach Knight took his next job at the school that would help define his legacy, Indiana University. It was the summer of 1971 when he made the move. Now, the state of Indiana loves basketball. I mean, you can travel anywhere in the United States and find pockets of basketball fans, but in no other state in this country is basketball woven into the fabric of the culture like it is in Indiana. High school basketball and college basketball are incredibly popular, with the NBA's Indiana Pacers not far behind. At Indiana University, Coach Knight's teams would receive more support than almost anywhere else in the nation. He knew it, and that's why he signed on. And it did not take him long to build up his program. 
Now, this is a good place to end this first episode, the part one of the Coach Bob Knight story. So join us next week when we cover Coach Knight's time at Indiana University, where he would cement his legacy as one of the great coaches. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories in the past. Take care and see you soon. Yeah.